everybody. Welcome back to the WYL Take Ownership podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. As you can see, I'm joined by three amazing people today. The conversation is really going to focus on family and the reconstruction of our families. I have all African-American uh, guests as well, so we're going to really focus it in on what it's like to raise young Black children in this world that we live in um, and all the parts that play into that. So um, I want to introduce our amazing group today. I'm going to start with David. Uh, David, do you want to say a couple of words? Usually I introduce people and give, give words on them, but I, just wanna, I want you guys to introduce yourselves in this time. All right, sure. I'll introduce myself. My name is David Tyree. I'm originally from Essex County, New Jersey, via Montclair, um, and was fortunate to take the path of athletics all the way to the National Football League, played seven years uh, for the New York Football, uh, six years for the New York Football Giants, one year with the Ravens, and now currently still work with the New York Football Giants as director of player engagement. Awesome, awesome. I'll throw it to Lauren to, to introduce yourself as well. I mean, I thought you would introduce me now. <laughs> Brand strategist, you know what I'm saying? Model, all the things. <laughs> I'm not a model anymore. Well, I know, but former. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll introduce myself then. I'm Lauren Mylan. Um, I am a three-time entrepreneur, um, best-selling author, do a lot in the media world, I'm a technology startup investor and advisor. Um, and I'm a mom. And in my former life, I was even a, a stepmom. Um, and I like to count many of my mentees um, as family. So I feel like I probably have uh, a few extra children that are children of, of my heart. So excited to be here with you all this evening. That's love. That's love. See, I couldn't have done that as much justice. I guess I could have blown it up, but that was really good stuff. Um, Andre, see you, man. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Uh, Andre Izugu, brother of Ofo Izugu, director of partnerships for WYL. Um, born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey, so uh, right down the block from Montclair in Essex County. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, that's about me right there. Let's, uh, he's already being humble. Like, this is what's happening. So he's also an actor. My, my man's been doing it for a minute now and also runs his own uh, digital agency as well. So I'll, I'll hop in there and add the two cents. Um, what I want to do is I want to start it off on obviously more of a serious note. So I'll kind of give the backstory here. We're, we're living in these real times of COVID-19, coronavirus, as you guys are all readily aware of. Um, on, on my end, it's been an interesting last few weeks. Um, I've had several friends now um, who've had it, have gotten better. Um, uh, you know. Dre and my aunt are right now is, is going through it. Um, we learned on Sunday night that she was, uh, you know, admitted to the hospital in Brooklyn, New York, and um, was this morning placed on a ventilator. Um, and so this issue has been um, one that's been on top of, you know, our family's minds uh, a lot, um, especially considering, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, our cousin, you know, her, her daughter is, is pregnant, uh, a month away from having her first child. So, um, it's real and we can't, we can't ignore the realities of what COVID-19 is presenting us either personally, professionally, um, or all of the above. Uh, so um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you guys are all doing first personally um, and, and professionally, like how, how are you guys coping with the current times? And, you know, I'll throw it to Lauren first on that. Thank you. Ladies first, I love that when I'm on with all dudes. Um, especially when there's still some chivalry, even in this age of social distancing. So thank you. Um, you know, we are coping. We are doing well. I, um, 
you know, I think first I'll speak as a marketer. I think it's interesting to see the opportunity that some, some people, some brands, um, sorry about that. Um, my phone is on do not disturb. So that's bizarre. Um, that some people or some brands might think, um, you know, this is a moment for kind of manufactured sympathy. So I'm going to keep it a hundred. Like we are well, uh, we are grateful. We are blessed. We have our home. We have our health. We have each other in this time of social distancing. Um, I've heard from many who I mentor, advise friends, um, you know, who are single that are like, isolation is really hard when you're single. Social distancing is really hard when you're single. So I think, um, you know, I'm grateful to have my family, our space. Um, it feels like a very extended weekend. And I recently said, um, actually yesterday to uh, a friend, I said, look, I could complain about a lot of things, right? Like a lot of things have changed. A lot of things are different and certainly uncertain. Um, but I never had a maternity leave as an entrepreneur with either of my children. So that's what I'm going to tell myself for like the next three months um, is this is the maternity leave that I never had. And if I had to choose a time to have it, I'd rather have it with a 10 and 12 year old because um, it's, it's been a joy to just like spend more time with them and be at home. So, you know, we are okay, but I have friends and colleagues who are battling um, with coronavirus and with COVID and some who have successfully recovered and some who are on a ventilator and another one who had no pre-existing conditions and through the medicines for COVID um, like impacted their kidneys and then they were on dialysis and then they just got back their kidney function. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot um, happening, not to mention the entrepreneurs who I support who like have no business right now. Right. So it's hitting everyone in different ways. So uh, what I've been saying is if your biggest concern is like getting fresh fruits and vegetables, you're blessed. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's real. And I know uh, Dre and David, you guys are both in North Jersey right now. Um, which is now turning into one of the most hit, uh, hardest hit spots. So, Dre, for you, how is that? How, how have you been coping through the whole thing? I mean, just staying inside, man. You know, with uh, with the pregnant girlfriend that's about to pop in a month, <laughs> you don't go nowhere. You know, <laughs> um, I think the most we've been to outside of the house has been to her mom's house and the occasional trip to Shoprite, and that stopped as of two weeks ago. So you know, you just stay put for the most part because everywhere around you is a hot spot. Literally, our actual zip code is the hottest zip code in North Jersey. So you just stay indoors and hope that people coughing in the apartment next to us doesn't come through. <laughs> it's pretty much kind of what you do. You just Lysol everything for the most part, all the packages that come in the door and try and stay safe, man. Yeah, 100%. And David, David, how, how's the experience been? I know we were talking offline a bit about, you know, business and you, guys, you and your wife are launching a new one. How are you doing personally and how, professionally? How's it, affect, how's it affected you? Yeah, uh, personally, we're doing extremely well. Um, you know, I, I think I have the good fortune of um, my greatest asset has been in our, in our stability spiritually to familial in the sense that my wife and I, we've, also, we've been married for 15 years and on one accord. And we have seven amazing children. So, I mean, we were kind of built. We're, we were already a homeschool family. Um, it actually really just brought myself and my two um, grown teenagers, we brought the gorillas home. So, um, 
So it's been great, you know, as a guy who's always been in a moving space in athletics that's, that can be very time demanding. Um, it's been, and I have a large family, so you always feel like you're not doing enough in that, you know, as far as, you know, being spread out relationally. This has been an answer prayer for me personally, um, just being able to be present and, you know, being able to um, listen and be attentive and avail myself at a greater capacity to my home and the development of my children. So um, that's been, the, that's been the, the extremely positive side of it. Um, but I'm always reminded, you know, of that, you know, the, the, the work side, the, the provision side is that, um, you know, there is the controllable versus the uncontrollable. And then it's, you know, how can I influence these other aspects to bring the best outcome? So, um, you know, in athletics, of course, the sports world has been, you know, put on hold just as many other portions of the economy, but there's been some things that's, you know, it's kind of unprecedented. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it kind of just puts you in this place where you're waiting for information, waiting for the to make decisions, NFL, New York Giants. Um, but even on our entrepreneurial side, it just kind of puts a, a pause and, you know, let's be prepared, be in the best, you know, possible position to, to be ready to roll when, as, as, the, as, the, uh, as this thing hopefully hits that standstill and we can move forward. Uh, with the with the uh, clean juice franchise opportunity here, so um, for for me personally, it's been it's been really wonderful. Um, it's been a time, you know, my children created a core, uh, Corona quarantine bucket list, and we've been getting after it, and uh, just trying to really be present and be be grateful in light of the fact that our nuclear family, we do have some people who have been affected by it, very close friends, uh, they lost their their father. Um, and you know it was it was one of these situations where he was already sickly and in a in a nursing home, but you know it was kind of the finisher, which was really you know difficult because it's kind of a really challenge for closure for people who are losing uh family you know it, you know it's a, it's not an it's, you know it's, you know you can't just go see him you know right, so it's right, right. it's uh the, the ways to support people become that much more challenging in in, in this in this crisis yeah I hear you I, hear you. I, I have a question though. Sure. Uh, because we have six in my home, including <laughs> people who are who live here ordinarily. Um, mm -hmm. So there's six mouths to feed. So you have nine mouths to feed, and I just want to know how that's going for you three times a day. Yeah, it's a great question. My <laughs> uh, <laughs> job, I like that question though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, what did you can... say? What about my question? I, I said you just took my job, but I like the question though. So oh you... no, I'm sorry, my bad. Is that was that your question? Questions that need to be answered. That you're good. You got the floor, man. <laughs> um, no, it's actually a great question. We actually have ten in our home. My my mother, my mother-in-law stays with us as well. So, um, you know, let's just say that you know, um, you know, when you when you when you take and when you're fortunate to be in a position I am and had this privilege of being a professional athlete, there's a lot of assumptions that come along with it. From income, you know, that's that's part of my job and what I do in player development. But uh, a lot of assumptions that come along with it. And life is, I've had a very, you know, um, glamorized but very normal life experience throughout my lifetime. So, um, but I've been very well, afford, you know, very well provided for in a sense that I've never had this great need. But I've also never had this great, you know, uh, you know, like everything set. So I'm not the guy that's, you know, that's financially set. I'm the guy that's in the trenches and very much fortunate to be in positions of favor and influence that continue. Well, I've seen, I've seen the Lord really continue to open up doors 
that those needs are just met. So it's a great question. Um, my wife is probably the Lamborghini of the family, but we've really chosen to make tremendous sacrifices of, uh, you know, she's a certified nurse midwife. She's a lactation consultant. She's a, she's an operations, you know, when you, when you're raising seven children and homeschooling, she's been, we've been homeschooling for t over t about 10 years almost. So um, there's a lot of moving parts that are kind of, you know, singular entities in their selves and we just trusted the lord to make great sacrifices and he's been faithful yeah that you took you took your way here i was just talking about literally how do you feed the mouse <laughs> we have like a <laughs> we have like a sandwich line i wasn't really trying to take opo's job <laughs> nah i'll joke that was good um that, that's that's real though so um i want to i want to i'm gonna pin the, the homeschooling conversation real quick because i want to throw it to to Lauren, you first, and you know how how do you guys all think about education? So, to give our audience some some frame of reference, you're all parents here. Um, you all have had to make tough decisions. Um, you all have had to make decisions that are, are are putting your children first. That's that's the nature of being a good parent, right? So, how do you go about thinking uh, when it comes to the educational process of raising your children? Uh, you know, I'll I'll be as concise and short as possible. Um, I, so I'm, I'm really big into their education and I'm also really big into them establishing a certain level of responsibility um, and age appropriate independence. And so what I have seen from both of them, and luckily they're in a school that was already pretty technologically advanced. So the whole idea of Google Classroom, they already had Chromebooks, we have a lot of technology at home, they already had email addresses, and um, you know, we have like Google Family Calendars, and so like they already knew that, so there wasn't a learning curve there for them personally or educationally. So it was fairly seamless for them to now do, you know, coding online and submitting their projects. I mean, the difference is that like the math, instead of doing it long form by hand, they're submitting, you know, they're still doing that and keeping their work, but they're like texting their teacher pictures of their work and putting the answers into Google Classroom. But what's interesting is that they want to be in their rooms. Of course, I say no. Um, and so I have like kitchen school, which is like they need to be, that's like their conference table. And so because that's like their conference table, because I want them out in kind of shared home space, um, I can't get a cup of coffee like late morning because I'm told I'm in my meeting. And I'm kind of like, who are you? Uh, but I like it, right? Like, I actually like it because, um, you know, especially my daughter, Chloe, she calls in, I guess the teacher opens the meeting for them early anyway, like they can call in early. So the kids who miss each other a lot call in five minutes or so, seven minutes early, and they chatter amongst themselves. And so she'll have the same seriousness to be quiet around her so that she can call in for her meeting, even if it's just to catch up with her friends before the teacher enters the room, um, the virtual room, of course. So I think it's interesting, but so it gives me some comfort that their transition to the digital remote learning world has been fairly seamless. Um, I do worry about how much like learning progression, I think you can maintain, I worry about how much progression can take place because I'm not necessarily homeschooling. Um, they are schooling from home. So I've hired a tutor who tutors them over Zoom, but who, um, and of course, like a password protected room that like I control that's like super secure or as secure as I think it can be. Um, but I worry about them 
like advancing and actually like learning and grasping new material that I think is probably hard to do um, in the strictly digital format, um, depending on like the level of support that your kid needs. So um, there's my answer. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, as you can see, but the but the tutor is just like, like I want the tutor to like advance them. You know, like I. Um, and they use blue jeans and they have like digital attendance and all these other things. So it's not like I'm worried about them getting good grades, but I just wonder like, are they gonna like learn more? I don't, I don't know. So. So all of us are sitting in, in I mean, at, at least if I'm gonna hop in people's pockets for two seconds, we're all sitting in at least decent spaces, right? Whether it's big windows behind us, art, a clean, cleanly big rooms. Um, and the reason I point that out is it, as you're raising children, the decision between like public and private school comes up, right? Um, and it could be something that, you know, if you're raising them as a, as a single parent, that's the thing you're th thinking about in your own head and maybe asking friends about raising with two parents, you know, or two parents in general, you're having that discussion. Ray, for you, like, how did you, how do you determine, you know, or how, how are you determining where your child should go to public or private or whatever the institution is? Well, I'll be a little bit more transparent just for the sake of to give it a little bit of color. Um, and I appreciate you all for not like just throwing my business out there. Um, so I'm one, the, I'm one of the younger, um, new or newer parents on the call here, right? Outside of the fact that I have one on the way, I think my, my oldest is five. I don't think I know my oldest is just turned six a couple months ago, and um, and she's actually in Florida, right? So with with her mom, but we we went through this you know charter schooling, which was actually very digital techie. They do class dojo every day. So there was a lot of work that I was doing with her before this even started, before this happened. And now she's fully digital. It was a pretty seamless transition. Um, obviously, we're very thankful that she's in a charter school, but that was always the decision. It was either private or charter. Public was never an option, per se, um, because, you know, Florida public schools aren't the best. And uh, but I will say this, though, it is a it is a challenge. And I hear her mom complain about it a lot wanting more engagement from her teacher and kind of thankful that she gets to kind of teach her herself. And I'm on there hopping at least three times a week doing these packets with her over Zoom. And um, it's, it's been quite a challenge, uh, to be honest, in terms of keeping her focused, because she's six. You know, the classroom setting is much more uh, uh, conducive for someone that's that young. You need someone to kind of step in place. But, uh, just like how Lauren said that um, that time where they get to all be on with their class, I realized that that is a very helpful thing to kind of keep the normalcy at least. They're able to kind of interact with their with their classmates like how they're used to before things kind of just get serious. I need to I need you to learn how to do time tables. I need you you know like it's really hard for them to make that transition. Um, but as far as you know, like the new child that's coming now, um, it's it. We got like five years to really stress about it, but as of right now, in terms of her preschool and all that, it's really more so of, you know, spending time with grandma and making sure grandma is teaching her and doing the homeschooling, like my man David here, and keeping that on track so that by the time kindergarten rolls around, you know, she's well above the curb. But it's, it's really just about, you know, understanding the quality of education that the school is providing. It's not so much about it being private, as more so as it being, you know, a quality education. And you get that just from, you know, other teachers, other kids' experiences, and uh, just being able to, you know, have a clear access to administration and the teachers. 
Because without that, you kind of lose that connection because your kid's with them, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. They're with them more than they are with you up until recently. Um, so being able to bridge that gap has been key. And uh, I think we've done a pretty decent job of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is funny. Like the, the show is called Take Ownership. And David, you've certainly done that in terms of the future of the children, right, by homeschooling. What played into that decision uh, to homeschool seven kids? Um, and how has that process and journey been like? Um, it's been fluid. I mean, I would say that uh, my oldest son is 18, and he was in, uh, you know, Wayne Public Schools up to second grade. And so um, all the way up till last year. So he's in a uh, classical Christian school for the last year, you know, year and a half to finish out. And my 15-year-old, he was actually the uh, spawn of re-entry to school because he's just a different bird. He's a different bird in, in, in you know, the, the, uh, the attention span. He, he is the guy who needs that constant movement, inertia, and people in people energy so we always made a commitment up to the eighth grade and we were prayerfully really considering what's best for them and um interesting that dre actually kind of you know you know aside from you know you know as you begin to kind of grow and really understand um i guess you could say these timelines the pockets you know we've learned through the years what needs to ha there's ideal times to shape children informative stages, obviously, throughout um, the development of human beings, if you want to say. So authority is a major, major, major thing. You know, I know sometimes that can sound like a curse word in our culture, but, you know, um, I guess you could say as we grew, we, we understood that we were forfeiting, not in a negative way, but when we send our children off to any particular school, we're delegating that authority. And that's something that can be really powerful and it can work for us or sometimes it can work against us. And obviously for us and our faith, I would say that was the first thing. But something that was right on par beyond that was the amount of time that our children would spend under the care of others. And if I couldn't be assured that they were, and you can't be assured, especially in a private, you know, excuse me, in a public setting, that we're not going to be speaking the same things. The curriculum is offline from what I'm teaching, so I actually have to unearth um, things that 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 are contrary to our our, our belief system, belief structure. So um, we understood that, it, it, and it wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't we're not trashing public schools because there's some great schools, wonderful teachers, you know, or or private schools. It's just that there was a time where we felt like the authority, the care, and what could be accomplished in in that time frame would be much more meaningful. So we, we made that commitment up to the eighth grade and we would prayer, prayerfully see what was best for them. So we've had, we've had changes through the years as, you know, obviously my oldest is 18, so he'll be graduating in June, but, you know, youngest is still six years old. So um, it's, you know, we've definitely learned that um, I think sometimes we, 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 put more important, we put more weight on things that might be less important at different times and stages. I think everybody wants a wonder kid. Everybody wants their kid that can code at 10 years old. Um, you know, with a large family, and these things are that awesome and great, mind you. Uh, with a large family, you really have to put a premium on what's most important, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's when you realize when you have, you know, I, I guess you could say, uh, when you're spread a little more thin, you begin to prioritize in a more meaningful manner. And for us, I think it's primarily who they're becoming just as much as what they're learning.
Sure, sure. You know, growing up, um, our, our dad had, you know, he was like, you know, in the beginning, I want you into a, a private school to understand, to learn, you know, the, the, right, the right Christian ways. And then after that, you can go to a public school. So we spent the first like three years of, our, you know, of my experiences in, you know, private school, or maybe the, the first two and a half, because it was middle, third grade. Um, and from that point on, it was public school. And, you know, I, what I loved about it was it was, uh, it, to me, it was, it was amazing having kids from all different walks of life, super diverse in terms of where we got to live um, throughout our journey from Patterson, New Jersey, to Buffalo, New York, to Baltimore, Maryland, to Ellicott City, Maryland. And, um, you know, I, you know I didn't, I, as a kid, you don't think about this, but the idea of having two parents together that were both black is, is almost rebellious unto itself because it's not something that's seen that often. Um, and so, you know, um, Dre, I'll pass it to you real quick, but as, as, a, as a black man, what do you think your, what do you think the importance of your presence in your, your daughter's lives are right now? Um, then as they grow up, what is it, what's your responsibility as a, as a, you know, a black man in your household to, to, for them? Well, I'll say this, you know, being new to this whole parent thing, I'm only a few years in, um, you know, I know I'm not going to get it right all the time. Right. Um, and, and being able to learn and being understanding that, you know, there's some things that they're going to teach me as well is key. You know, um, but at the same time, I do understand how important my presence is in terms of having a father figure in their lives is very key that loves them very much. You know, I talk to my daughter every day, even though she's in Florida, you know, um, and I see her, well, up until recently, at least once a month, you know, so it's one of those things where even though she's so young, you know, that it's, it's the bond that, you know, you're the first man in their life. You know, you're how they'll see the world in terms of what is it like to be with a man or what that looks like or how they value themselves in terms of a, a, a male relationship, you know, and that's really key. And I, and I don't hold that lightly, you know, I don't take that lightly. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, uh, it's something that I value in terms of what my life's job is. You know, if there's one thing I do in my life is make sure that I know that my daughter's not that one that they're loved and that, you know, they can be, you know, not to be cliche, but they, 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 they deserve better than whatever they feel the world to be throwing at them. And that's a foundation that I know that is my responsibility to start building. Yeah, yeah. And David, I'm gonna come back to you with a similar question, but I, I wanna throw it to Lauren real fast. So Lauren, you know, black women, the things that you guys deal with in a, in a, in a normal, like I was talking to a friend last night who was a founder and she was saying, you know, before she goes into fundraising season, she'll spend literally days thinking of what hairstyle I'm gonna have for the next month or two. Because if, mm -hmm. I have, if my braids are too large, my braids are a certain way, the investor won't get past that to listen to me just speak, right? And I was watching this Toni Morrison documentary the other night, and she referenced this moment in time with, her, with her, one of her best friends as a kid, about nine years old, walking down the street. And her friend, you know, her friend is dark skinned, her friend is like standing next to her as they're walking, and she, her friend had asked her, do you believe in God? And Tony was like, yeah, I mean, like, I believe in God. Like, don't you? And her friend was like, I did, but, you know, I, I don't anymore. And Tony was like, well, why is that? She goes, well, because for two years I've been praying for blue eyes and he hasn't listened to me. And so when you hear about that, you know, we, we think of, when you think of like racism, we think of in the 60s, hoses on our bodies or dogs uh, biting at our ankles, or you could think about things like redlining and all kinds of stuff, but the mental assault. That, that happens and the mental unlearning you have to do to, to appreciate and love yourself is, is so deep. You know, for you as a black woman in your home, 
you know, with, with two children, like, how do you, how do you feel it's important to show up, you know, every single day? For myself? For yourself, for yourself, actually, for, yeah, for yourself first and foremost, and then, and then for your, for your daughter and your son. I'm me every day, all day. That's how I've always been. Um, and I will say that during this time of self-isolation and social distancing, um, you know, I think a lot of people know me from, you know, A, as a marketer or a brand innovator or strategist, but then they know me from public speaking or from my book or from a TV show or whatever. And um, for the first time ever at the request of Chloe, my 10 year old, she asked me to have braids with her to match. And I did that um, in February. And I spoke at the LinkedIn Transform Her Women's Conference at their corporate office here in New York City. And it was interesting because um, I called my dad and he said, it was also right before I was going with the kids um, to LA from my grandma's 90th birthday party, which was a whole big deal. And she's like best friends with Maxine Waters and there were gonna be all the people there. And my dad was worried about these like family legacy pictures. And I called my dad, like confident, long, beautiful, just to the side. I don't know if you saw the do on Instagram. It was like, oh, to yeah, the yeah, side. Yeah. it was long and beautiful really long like to the hips it was stunning it was like simple maybe 12 grades going this way i thought it was classy <laughs> it was nice it was nice. <laughs> my dad says and my dad is like you know he's an african-american man from alexandria louisiana raised in south central la and he looked at me and he goes you couldn't have gotten that after your grandma's 90th party i was like whoa that's so rude um i'm matching with your granddaughter her great granddaughter who gets braids all the time braids twists wears it out gets it straightened whatever you know i embrace any hairstyle chloe wants to wear um and i always support her on that and my dad didn't and i was like so not expecting my father to like poo poo the idea or i mean it was more than an idea it was done then he went on to say as i joined a a big corporate board recently and i hope you're gonna take this out for your board meeting and i was like look you can be the old school wall street man who thinks that this is what's required i'm i'm gonna be me like i've never done this this is new for me and now that i've done it i like it a b it makes my daughter feel whole and seen and empowered and that's more important to me than anything else when i got to the party in la with the kids i was like oh my god your hair i love it and then my dad is like going back to this but you're bored meeting are you gonna take it out and i put up post on linkedin from the conference and i said well i don't know dad i had thirty thousand views on linkedin and like a thousand likes so and then i sent him the stats and you can click into the picture and see like from what company and it was like 200 people from the company of the of the board that i sat on and he was like i don't and so I'm just like, you're, you're stuck in a different time. So I said that to say that um, I support my kids on everything, but it's interesting to, as an adult, not feel as though, and my mom loved my hair, not feel as though my, my, own, my own father supports it, but he has this very old school, you know, play the game to get ahead mentality. And then more recently, I joked on social saying, oh, recession hair, uh, because the braids were still working and I couldn't, you know, there were no hair salons to go to anymore and I wasn't gonna do it and it wasn't safe anyway. And um, so I kept the braids until like the wheels fell off and I had to take the braids out. And so I took the braids out and I rocked my fro for the first time ever and put that up on social because I saw Gabrielle Union, but her fro up. So I was like inspired by Gabby Union. And then I got all these comments and all of these 
they say, oh my God, your hair is beautiful. Men, women, all colors, all races, all industries, colleagues, whatever. Um, and people that, you know, even kind of gave backhanded compliments. Like, I didn't think that was beautiful before. I didn't really like afros, but it looks amazing on you. Keep rocking it. And so my dad was like, and now you gonna wear a fro? And I'm like, I mean, first of all, I don't really have a choice. Like I'm not great with hair. And now Chloe feels empowered again. So I just think that it's most important as parents of children of color to make them feel seen um, all the time. And I've often heard that comment from, from women entrepreneurs of color that worry about, you know, can they get the funding? Will they get ahead? Um, and I always say like, be you, but there is obviously bias that is present and, um, it can disadvantage people. But what I also hope comes out of this particular time and what's inspired me even is I've had, um, girlfriends and colleagues who are big shots in corporate America putting up pictures now saying, Lauren, inspired by Lauren Milan, here's my fro taking their weaves out and doing their wigs. Um, and so there's like been this running joke in a um, group chat saying, well, when everybody goes back to work, like, you know, people are going to kind of flip their heads because all these women that normally have these different hairstyles are going to are gonna be natural. But I'll just say in closing that Chloe, when she was a little girl, I'll never forget this. She was like three or four and she had on a hoodie and just like a gray J. Crew zip up hoodie. And she put the hood on her head. And she wore that as if it were her hair with like the arms hanging here and the back of the hoodie there. And she started like whipping it around because she wanted hair like what she saw mommy have um, and what she saw, you know, in media. And so that that's a moment that I'll never forget, which was like how she identifies and, and kids identify with what they see. And I hope that through this time of coronavirus, people become more compassionate in general to people and to human difference and to what makes people unique. Yeah, so. and I have a question for you. <laughs> Do you think that now, not necessarily anything is right or wrong in any, in any regards. But you take an Ofo's job. Oh, yeah, good. Ah! Oh, no. hey, I'm personal yeah. response to something you said. Uh, Do you think that your dad was just being protective of how you'd be perceived versus more so, not so much about necessarily feeling like you know, you shouldn't have got that here, dude. It was more so, listen, people ain't, you know, that accepting of how you're being presented to me right now. It was more of, I guess, a shock to how he saw you in that moment, thinking he wanted to save you from feeling that type of shock from other people seeing you. Does that make sense? Yes, 10,000%. But I am my father's daughter, okay? Yes. And so <laughs> he, knows, he knows the kind of confidence that he instilled in me as a little girl to become a young woman from the time that I was younger than my daughter's age, when I used to want to go get a manicure, he used to say it's either perfectly manicured nails or no nails at all. Right. So no chip nails, no bite in the nails. No, it's either. And my dad has always been that way. Um, and he, you know, didn't grow up with a lot. And he has that story of, you know, taking his shoes to the cobbler and all that kind of wearing the same shoes over and over again and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I know that it came from a place of protection, but if at 35 years old with three businesses, two kids, been married, been divorced, been a stepmom, had a best-selling book, a TV show, invested in startups, lived in the same house for 14 years, replaced a two, two parent, two adult 
household income by myself within 12 months of being, you know, left as a single mom. Like if all of the things that I have done for myself in my life and my career do not allow me to finally at 35 years old show up as who I am and all the facets of who I am, then mm. I haven't done my job. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Like if I can't rock a fro for like, I mean, it's not that it's, it's not tasteful or that the braids were not tasteful or, you know, they weren't matted and ratted. You know what I mean? Like I, they were tasteful. So <laughs> if it's that I just want to rock a different do for a minute, I don't see anybody else getting checked for if they want to rock a do for a minute. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. It, uh, David, so you, you had mentioned, you had, uh, earlier you had said, you know, the word authority ends up being a dirty word, right? And, um, and I think nowadays too, you know, I think, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm religious in terms of I believe in God, I'm very spiritual, pray every day, probably 20 times a day. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to Lauren's point, like our, our, our family instilled in us that that's okay. And that, that's mm -hmm. gonna see you through, right? In, a, in, a, in the world it being the way it is today, you know, mm -hmm. why do you find it so important? And, and I'll even put this through the lens of being a, as a black man too, uh, so important to, to the spirituality to be, you know, at the, at the forefront of how you raise your kids. Well, you know, I, I guess say just by nature of my experience, I, I come through a little bit of a different paradigm that, that has kind of led me to Christ. And, um, you know, it's funny in this, when you, when you introduce faith, religion, spirituality, it becomes this hodgepodge of ambiguity. And I wasn't raised in a religious home at all. So, you know, you know, and so like so much toxicity obviously comes along with religion. And so, and I actually understand how that climate comes from. So I was just a man who was in need at 24 years old after being locked up. And I cried out to God and God answered and God answered through Jesus Christ. So I'm just gonna sum that up. And that was my, my coming to faith. Now, I see there's a thousand ways to not believe. So um, I guess it, it was never about you know, and obviously I can speak to the paradigm of being uh, being an, uh, an African-American man, black man, brown man, um, and how important that is because there's a redemptive element because I do acknowledge the fact that our community obviously is, if you want to say, of the, of the people historically of, you know, nations, tribes, peoples that have been oppressed, we are probably the singular people in current time that haven't seen really any true form of redemption. So at least, you know, in, from an earthly standpoint, so it is a major topic of conversation, but, you know, mine was about really like acknowledging my need, my, my, my coming to faith. So for me, that's been my paradigm. I don't like, I live life. I don't have a plan B now as it relates to faith. I can't be persuaded away from Jesus. Jesus is not a faith. He's a person. So it's either we know him or we don't know him. Um, you know, like, so like, you know, it's a deeper conversation, but it's central to my, to the fabric, how I approach life, how I approach business, how, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything in life that God hasn't spoken to and that we could have access to a spirit of excellence, integrity, and, and well-being that, that, that speaks to the family structure, approach to relationships and business in a way where it can't be the most optimal, most fruitful. So um, hopefully that kind of, you know, kind of gives a little bit of a snapshot. Just is, you know, and, I, and it kind of speaks back to what Lauren was talking about. It's about being authentic and genuine. Um, so on that too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think like for me, 
um, I don't have too many pats on the back because once you say Jesus, you alienate a, a major portion of population. Once you say faith, you, you know, there's something that triggers in everybody's head when they hear these buzzwords, you know, like, you know, religion is a, is a, is, is nothing wrong with the word religion, but amazingly what happens in people's heads when they hear these things. And so there's a compartmentalizing, just like there's when you hear a black woman, there's, you know, when you see the there's this there's these uh, things that come these stigmas that come along with it. Where at, the, where at the end of the day, I have to be authentically engaged in who I am, my approach. And if that cuts off half the market, then I just got to make it work with with those relationships, those opportunities, those families that are gonna you know how can two walk together unless they agree. So it's it's very normal for me because I've, I'm all in. It's funny how religion is the compartmentalization of spirituality. It's like, you know, there's the spiritual understanding of, of God or higher power, but then there's all these man-made philosophers that are like, well, you know, I really don't believe this part or I want this part. And it's just mm -hmm. picking of what people want to believe. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I follow O's sentiment of being very spiritual where, you know, pain, praying three to five times a day and having a clear understanding of I'm raising my family to be aware that, listen, God is real, he exists, and you go down on your knees and you cry out to him to, to, to you know, be fearful and be understanding that there is a higher power, you know, um, and, and you live your life according to that, you know, but as far as, I guess, getting to the details of religion, it shouldn't be such a, I guess, such a hot button word, but it is in our society for whatever reason. And, and, and what were you going to say, Lauren? I think you're going to hop in. There. No, I was going to. So Chloe came up to get me to come down for dinner, and she's watch the court. She's here in her afro, so I wanted to show y'all her afro right now. Yeah. Hey. Hey. And she's ten, <laughs> and she loves her afro. She had braids. She took the braids out. So we we whip our hair as we as it makes us feel good, right, Will? Yeah. Hey. Because it gives you. Oh, what's a little second? What does it give you? Power, and it makes you feel. Confident. That's there you real. go. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. I'll yeah. be down shortly. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Nah, you, you love to see it. You love to see it. Um, on, so to, to, to wrap. Oh, Black girl magic. That's a religion too. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> to wrap up, you know, um, you know, I, I want you guys to give advice to people at home, and what I'm, what I'm, I'm gonna break it down in a certain way. So coming from, I'm half Bayesian, half Nigerian. As, as any of us know, and we've grown up in, in Black America, like born and raised, right? And as any of us know, it, even just the Caribbean side, that kind of with really mixed families, all kinds of stuff. What, what's your biggest advice for folks at home that are in different dynamics? Dre, you talked about earlier, you know, you're not living in Florida, but you're, you know, your ex-wife is, and she's raising your, your daughter, and you're, you know, raising her as well. But like, what are those, what is your advice to anybody who finds themselves in a split kind of dynamic on how to make sure that children um, are not used kind of as sacrificial lambs in that process. You know what's really unfortunate about that? Oh, it, it's about the mindset of parents. You know, I, I have a great relationship with my ex-wife, right? Because, you know, we were friends and, and well before we decided to, to get married and, you know, we understood that we probably were better off friends. Um, but, you know, we have this, this beautiful child that we both have the very same vision as to how we want her to be raised, how we want her to, to you know, I guess, you know, see the world and never feel like, you know, she's, you know, 
can't do something or, or she's a lack of thereof something because I'm not there or because both mommy and daddy aren't together. And it really boils down to one communication. And I guess, you know, to get into the minutia of how we're able to maintain a good relationship outside of just communication is, you know, having a clear understanding of what your objectives are moving forward. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, people have these preconceived notions of what they want from a situation or someone else. And then they use the child as a pawn to get that because, you know, they may feel like that's the only connection they have still to this other person, you know, despite whatever, you know, relationship you may have or understanding you may have with that person, you know, because people are really emotionally driven. They don't necessarily use logic to uh, define how they should move in any particular situation. But for me personally, I can say it's based off of clear communication um, and being able to, you know, even when it hurts, even when the conversation is extremely uncomfortable, you know, have it, you know, force them, force an opportunity for it to be had and don't, don't let up on it until, you know, a conclusion has come to. And it's easier said than done. You know, I can tell you it took at least, it took years, you know, to kind of get to this point. There's nothing that happened overnight. You know, uh, you kind of got to get over, you know, dealing with what, what he's going to say, what she's going to say, people's thoughts and the outside, you know, world just having their opinion. Once you get over that and the dust is settled, you're able to have a clear vision of we both want the same for our child. We both want success for our child. So how are we going to achieve that goal? And then that's, when, that's what the conversation becomes about. How are you going to achieve success? How are you going to parent best, you know, allowing me to, you know, call every single morning, you know, like that's a lot, but I do. Or having me on the call doing her lessons with her at least three times a week for at least an hour. That's a lot, but we do it. And uh, we have clear conversations with each other's families and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, we are still a family, you know? So... Not everyone has the luxury I have, but I will say it, it didn't start here, but it got here just by me being persistent and not letting up and communicate, over-communicating. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you all. I'm going to give you back this last five minutes because I got to prep for our next show, but absolute love and appreciation to each and every one of you guys. Stay safe, stay blessed, um, and stay happy. That's all we can do. So take care, all right? And for everybody at home, actually, no, 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 I'm not messing up. I want all you guys to tell people where they can find you first, and then I'm going to shut the show down. So, David, I'll pick it up first, man. Um, yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, those are probably the two most immediate platforms. I am on Facebook, but I'm, I'm late in the game on this. I have like a bear who's been hibernated, man. And so um, I've been fortunate to have great experiences. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll rekindle the brand. There'll be a lot of exciting news coming forth in 2020. The year's not over. It's starting rough, but it's not over. Absolutely. Lauren? Um, What's the Instagram handle? I'm sorry, Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> at dtyree85. All right. So, so. Okay. Uh, I'm easy to find. I'm Lauren Mylan, M-A-I-L-L-I-A-N, and I'm at Lauren Mylan on social media everywhere. So if you just type in Lauren M-A-I, I should be one of the first few faces um, that you see. And laurenmylan.com, um, I have a community for any of the women who are listening to the podcast. Um, that's at straightupandsuccessful.com, which is personal and professional development for women who want to level up. Um, so thanks again for having me. 
Awesome. And thanks for also hopping in on short notice, Lauren. So really, really appreciate you. I love being a fill-in for my power women. No problem. (laughs) Dope, dope. Powerful women, Rakia, yourself, absolutely. And Drizzy, last but not least, man, where can people find you? Uh, They can find me on Chief Ofo's Instagram. (laughs) Look at his face. Click on any of those photos. I'm tagged. (laughs) Andre Zuku, wherever you look. Awesome. Again, much love, y'all. Again, guys, for us, the uh, group, uh, welcome back to Take Ownership Podcast. We're always about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, your community. Have a good one. Be safe. Be healthy. Peace. Peace. Bye. Appreciate you. Uh, you too, man. Take care, guys.